Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. Wonderful to have the opportunity. So blessed to be able to open up God's Word with you on a regular basis and study a little bit more, learn a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper. God's Word is so important to our spiritual lives, to our eternal destiny, because our faith is key. And faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So we need to be diligent to study God's word. As the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, when he said, be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that is God's word. We need to understand God's word and we need to make the proper applications to our lives, believing what that word, his word, teaches us. Well, God is totally good. We're studying about that. We'll talk about that more in a moment. We encourage you to encourage everyone you can to listen to these lessons. If you would like a hard copy of this program today on CD, you simply need to contact us and ask for it. We'll tell you how to do that at the end of the program today. But we encourage you and encourage everyone you know to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it is free. It will always be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive five days a week our radio program, Search the Scriptures. It'll go automatically go to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, it will be automatic every day, Monday through Friday. Then you can listen at your leisure or at your convenience as your schedule permits. Not everyone can listen every day because they're working or they have appointments to keep. But by podcasting, it'll go right to your smart device, and later on in the day, you can pull it up and listen to it. But you'll also receive a great daily Bible study that's only about 13 minutes long each day, seven days a week. That's called Today's Bible Class. Today's Bible Class. And you'll receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, and all of our sermons. All of that automatic to your smart device by podcasting. And you can share those podcasts easily with people around you, people you know, people in your family, friends, work associates, neighbors, everybody you can think of through Facebook friends or text messages, maybe some other technological means. And they could listen and learn and study and grow spiritually as well. Well, take advantage of our website. They're on our website. You can also access hundreds of sermons. Many of them and more and more are being posted in video format as well as audio format. And you can access hundreds of scripturally based, spiritually oriented articles. You can download those, read through those, study those. And again, through that means, grow spiritually. If you're in the Omaha area, we hope you will come and be with us. Study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us in person. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 
Our Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30, and we're together in the building at 6.30 every Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. We hope you'll come. We hope to see you soon. We're going to get back into our study talking about the existence of God. Does it make sense to believe in God? Does God really exist? Well, if you've been studying with us through this series so far, and we have quite a long ways to go yet, you already know the answer, don't you? Absolutely. It not only makes sense to believe in God, but the evidence is overwhelming. It is compelling that we believe in God. In our first section, we talked about morality. The very fact of morality requires a moral lawgiver. And there is no moral lawgiver that can meet that task other than God. Because if you're just looking at human beings, everybody's different in their feelings about morality. Now, we all recognize some basic standards of morality, and those standards indicate there is a moral law. But when you get into some specifics, people think some things are moral and other things are immoral, and other people think some of the things that some people think are moral are actually immoral, and what some people think are immoral is actually moral. Yeah, we're all over the place. We're, you know, kind of go with the wind, and we change our mind with times. But that basic standard of morality, that's a moral law. Everybody recognizes basic standards You don't murder somebody because that's immoral. You don't steal because that's immoral. And even those people who struggle with lying, even they would recognize that lying is immoral. And there are other specifics we could point to, but there is that basic standard of morality. Well, that means there is a moral law that everybody recognizes, and there has to be a moral lawgiver for the moral law to exist. And that moral lawgiver is God. In this particular section, we've been looking at kind of an expanded principle there. Certainly morality is good. Well, we're talking about goodness on a broader scale. What is really good, we can look at and say, not just with subjective feeling, oh, I think that's good, or I feel like that's good, or that seems good to me, that's all subjective reasoning. But we're looking at by objective standards. Is there goodness? Absolutely. Absolutely. Then there has to be a standard of goodness. And there is no standard without God. Because again, you see, if we take God out of the picture, how do you even define goodness? It's all up in the air. Everybody thinks different things about goodness if they're just left on their own. But we recognize there is, just as there is a basic law of morality, there is a basic standard of goodness. And that basic standard of goodness cannot exist without God. James chapter 1 and verse 17, every perfect gift and every good gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is good all the time. And everything that is truly good in our lives, now again, not just 
feelings based on feelings, but everything that is truly good in our lives is a blessing from God. God is good all the time, and what God pronounces to be good can be trusted to be genuinely good. And God's word gives us objective standards to confidently determine true goodness. We talked about Jesus in his response to the rich young man who came to him and addressed him as good master. What good thing must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus responded by saying, why do you call me good? There is one good, that is God. God is good. God is totally good, absolutely good. There is no sinfulness, there is no unrighteousness, there is no wickedness, no evil in God. He is absolute goodness. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 25 in verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 86 in verse 5, for you, Lord, are good. Psalm 52 in verse 1, the goodness of God endures continually. And Psalm 100 in verse 5, and 106 in verse 1, 107 in verse 1, 118 in verse 1, and again in verse 29, all emphasize that God is always good, and therefore his truth and his mercy are everlasting. Psalm 145 in verse 9, the goodness of God also extends to everybody. Now, because, as Jesus said, he makes the sun rise and the rain fall on the just and the unjust. And so even those who are living in abject wickedness, evil, even those who would adamantly proclaim they do not believe in God, they have some truly good things that they benefit from in their lives. And that's because God's goodness extends to everybody everywhere. Now, God is not excusing evil or wickedness or sinfulness. He's not excusing atheism. But the goodness that he bestows upon even those people in various ways should motivate them to open their eyes and recognize that there truly is a giver of goodness, and that is God. It should motivate them to come to believe in God and follow him. And because of God's goodness, God can always, always be trusted. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Well, we could go on and on. Reading text after text after text after text about goodness. And we could reminisce about goodness in our own personal lives and how that reflects upon God's goodness, bestowing goodness upon us. But let's look at the contrast. Let's look at mankind. Is mankind totally, absolutely, always good? No. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. 
for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Now that phrase or statement of identity, both Jews and Greeks, would encompass everybody. In the mindset of those who initially read this particular letter. Because that meant Jews and everybody else. So both Jews and Greeks, that they are all under sin. In other words, everybody, everybody commits sin. The text goes on and says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They all have turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. In and of ourselves, on our own, by our own personal guidance, feelings, and so on, ah, we're not good. We're not good in and of ourselves, by ourselves. The 23rd verse of Romans chapter 3 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All? Well, that means everybody. Everybody who is capable of understanding the concepts of right and wrong, yeah, commits sin. In the 7th chapter of Romans, verse 18, we read further. For I know that in me, this is the Apostle Paul writing this, and he's talking about an inward struggle that he dealt with, and I believe he's describing an inward struggle that we all deal with on a regular, ongoing basis. He says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my physical body, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. All by myself, on my own, I'm not good, he's saying. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. I do not find. You see, on our own, we're not good. We need God's goodness to guide us to become good ourselves. If you back up here to verse 15, Paul says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do or what I want to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul's saying, and we all deal with this inner struggle. I, I, I want to do what, what is right. I want to do good things. But, my, my, I keep stumbling along the way. I keep doing things I don't want to do because I know they're wrong. But I stumble into them anyway. And I don't do things that I know I should be doing because because they're good things. But I stumble along the way. So I do things that I don't want to do because I know those things are not good. And I don't do good things that I want to do because I keep stumbling into sin. See, that's that inner struggle. We come to verse 18 again and Paul says, 
I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells all by myself and I'm my own. He's saying, no, I'm not good. For to will is present with me. I can make up my mind what I want to do, what I know I should be doing, what is good to do. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. That I practice. Now, what's the solution? Verse 22, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? If that was the end of the text, Paul would have described a hopeless situation not only in his life, but in the lives of every human being on the planet, in every generation. But that's not the end of the, te- of the text. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now, Paul is saying I can overcome that tendency, that temptation to do wrong, to not do good through Jesus Christ. I can be forgiven of the sin in my life through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross as I surrender to him in baptism for the remission of my sins, confessing my faith in him openly, coming to him as my Savior. Oh, how blessed we are to have the goodness of God to turn to in our lives to deliver us from the evil that the devil continually tries to lure us into. How important is it for us to believe in God? Psalm 14, beginning with verse Psalm 14, beginning with verse 1. Notice what the psalmist writes. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That would upset a lot of people. That would bother a lot of people. Because there are a lot of people who consider themselves smart, intellectual, too smart to believe in God in their mind. Well, the psalmist writes, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The evidence of God's existence is all around us on a, continuing, on a continual basis. To not believe the evidence is foolish indeed, self-destructive. The psalmist goes on and says, they have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Without God, there is no true goodness. Without God, there is no standard of goodness. And for us to try to live our lives without God being the center of it, we're doomed to evil. 
we're not going to live good lives. The wise man wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Now remember what the wages of sin are? Death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But the very rest of that verse, the very next statement in that verse, points to the goodness of God in the face of that reality, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the goodness of God. As Paul put it in Romans chapter 5 in verse 18, uh, verse 8 rather, he wrote, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the goodness of God. That goodness extended even to the point of while we were lost in sin, he sent his, his son to the cross to die as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Galatians 3 and verse 22, the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. What is the promise by faith in Jesus Christ? Forgiveness, salvation. Saul of Tarsus was a bitter enemy of Christ until the Lord confronted him on the road to Damascus. And after he was struck blind and prayed for three days, Ananias, sent by the Lord, came to him and said, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The forgiveness of sins and eternal life that goes therewith is the goodness of God sent into this world through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Without God, we wallow in sinfulness and we are condemned in our sins. But because God is so good, he offers us forgiveness, salvation, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do praise you and give you glory and honor and thanks for your goodness offered to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to live by your word, to live in Christ, and help people all over the world to open their eyes to see your goodness and to come to you for that goodness through their Savior, Jesus Christ. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.